0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 20th of May 2018, entitled The Ark of the Covenant, A Type of Christ, Part 7. And the Bible reading is taken from Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 to 22. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. completely his divinity. God was 100% man. He was 100% God. And we see that being pictured in the materials that he's given them instructions to build this ark with. Then we looked at the the anointing of the ark and 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 setting that aside for the for the purpose which God was giving to them Therefore, and and of course as they anointed it with the oils we see in the in the New Testament picturing Jesus Christ himself he was the one that was coming to fulfill God's purpose and we see the baptism of Jesus Christ and God the Father from heaven looking down upon his son and saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and then we looked at the contents of the ark Uh, the contents of the ark, the testimony that God would give to them to put within the ark. Now, of course, there's some other things that went in there, which we can talk about at another time. But but we find that this was picturing, of course, the law that God would give, which we would break. Uh, Each and every one of us, we would break it. Uh, But we see it picturing here, Jesus Christ was the one that obeyed God's law. He fulfilled God's law completely and totally. He didn't come to destroy it. But here, That law that man broke had to be placed within the ark, within Jesus Christ. That's the only place that God's word was ever fully fulfilled was within Jesus Christ. And we have no hope whatsoever except in him. And, of course, then we saw, of course, the, the purpose of, of, of the ark, uh, to meet with God's people. And that was the whole purpose of the atonement of Jesus Christ in the, in, the, in the New Testament. There was no way that we could meet with God in our sins. It took the atonement of Christ for us to be able to meet with him. And then we looked at the position of the ark, uh, where that he would put the, uh, the mercy seat upon the ark and the testimony within it, and God meeting with his people above it of course, the intercession of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked uh, about how that, uh, uh, that Jesus Christ, even today, is there interceding on our behalf. So we looked at a number of things about those things, but I want to give you one other one this evening because we find that that here within uh, within the instructions that, uh, that he had given to them. Notice what he said there in verse 19. He said, and make, well, notice what he's beginning in verse 18. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold and beaten work, and thou shalt make them in the two ends of the... Mercy seat, and make one cherub on the one end and the other cherub on the other end. Even of the mercy seat shall you make it the cherubims of the two ends thereof. Now, if if you look back, and of course the mercy seat itself was was made of pure gold. There in verse seventeen, thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold, exact size of of the ark set above it. And so we find that uh, uh, the mercy seat that was that was that was placed there was what we want to look at this evening because we find that it was there upon that mercy seat that if you turn over just a little bit further in your Bible, you find in Leviticus chapter 16 uh, what that mercy seat was there for. Uh, In Leviticus chapter 16 and verse 14, the Word of God says, And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward and before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. So in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, with the Ark of the Covenant there, and, and, and the golden mercy seat set squarely upon the top of that mercy seat, and it was there that God would meet, that God would meet with his people. But the only way that God could meet with his people was through the sprinkling of the blood upon that mercy seat. We've been singing about it this evening. It was the blood, the sin offering that had to be made, that had to be put upon the lid of that ark that connected the, the mercy seat with the sacrifice for sin for you and for I. Now, there's a lot of debate among theologians, and if you start reading commentaries, there's a lot of debate over as to, okay, we know. We know what this picture is in the New Testament. If you want to turn to uh, to the book of Hebrews, let's turn there, and let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9, and, and the Bible gives us a very clear picture of what this whole sprinkling of the blood was, was, was all about. In Hebrews chapter 9, let's begin. verse. First of all, he says there in verse 1, Then verily, the first covenant also, had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary, for there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the, the candlestick and the table and the shewbread, which is called the sanctuary. When the tabernacle was built, there was this 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 area that was there, where he would have these other things. And after the second veil, the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all. So you could enter into the tabernacle where there, he said, there would be the candlestick and the table and the shoe bread, and and, and this would be the place that was called the sanctuary. But once you got within that veil, there was a second veil which sealed off what was known as the Holy of Holies, he says, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant Overlaid round about with gold, so there in the Holy of Holies is this Ark of the Covenant that we're talking about, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that had budded, and the tables of the covenant, those three items that were within the Ark and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, which is what we just read about in the instructions that we've been giving, the cherubs at each end and the mercy seat in between, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. So the priest would enter into the tabernacle where the table was and and the shewbread and these things, and that's where he would go accomplishing the service of God. But then notice it says in verse 7, but into the second went the high priest alone. Any of the priests could go into the first tabernacle, but to go into the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat was through that second veil went the high priest alone once every year, not without... Blood. He could not enter into the place where God resided. He couldn't enter into where the Ark of the Covenant was that God had placed there to meet with his people. He could not go in without the blood which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. He first of all had to make sure that he was clean and then he would offer the sacrifice for the heirs of all the others about. The Holy Ghost was signifying. "...that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing." They had to keep doing it over and over and over. It was picturing something, it was telling them something, but it wasn't sufficient of itself. He says, "...which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Again, he had to continually do this. It couldn't make him perfect because he had to each time that he went in there, he had to go with the blood, he had to first of all get himself clean, and then for the people, he says in verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. The Bible is saying, Look, this was all here. This was the tabernacle. This is where they all went into the tabernacle. And the thing, then there was the second veil, and there was the Holy of Holies. And that's where God met with his people. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was at. That's where only the high priest could go. And when he went in, he could only go with the blood. He couldn't go without the blood. He couldn't enter there without the blood, or he'd been struck dead. So, That's what it was. But then verse 11 begins with that big little word, but. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, but Christ, all of those others, They kept doing it over and over, but even that was showing them that within itself it wasn't sufficient, but Christ as the high priest of good things, a more perfect tabernacle, a more perfect place to meet with God, neither by the blood of goats and calves as all those priests had to use, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The Bible itself is saying, look, this was a picture of that which was yet to come, but that priest would never be perfect. He would always have to go in. He would always have to cleanse himself. He couldn't go in without the blood, but that blood of those bulls and those calves was not sufficient to last. He had to keep doing it over and over and over again, but yet without that blood, he couldn't even enter But Christ, he being the high priest of good things to come, a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not built with the hands of man, but by God himself, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. And when he entered in that once with his own blood, he obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, if that, which they did in the Old Testament, if that itself did that, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more shall he purge your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Oh, he's showing us, look, yes, God gave this, this, this to his people, and it was there for a purpose. But even in what we see, it shows us itself. God was showing it, that that sacrifice wasn't sufficient. But Jesus Christ, he entered in one time with his own blood to pay for the sins for all of us forever. And He goes on, he says, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Hey, You can go and read my will all you want, but that will can't come into force unless I die. You see, God made a covenant with us. God made a testament with us. But the way for the New Testament to come into force was with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's who that for a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. You can keep changing it if you want to. You can change it. You can go back and decide, well, I'm going to leave this to this one. Now I'm going to leave it to the other one. You can't change it after you're dead. <laughs> it's sealed. Whereupon neither the First Testament was dedicated without blood, even, even in the Old Testament. They had to have the blood For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wood and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people saying, this is the blood of the Testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Even in the Old Testament, even with the picture that he gave us there in the tabernacle and all the sacrifices that had to take place, even there. It required the death and the blood for God's testament to have force. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. That's the only thing that would cleanse it, folks. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. There's no way. There's nothing else that can remit that sin. There's nothing else that can take that sin out of the way. It's always the sin that separates us, that divides us from God. And here in the Old Testament, when the tabernacle was built, and in the Holy of Holies, where that Ark of the Covenant was placed, for God to meet with man, even there it took the blood in order to even be able to enter into the presence of God. But that blood wasn't sufficient. It even showed us, that's why it had to keep repeated. But Christ, he entered in once. He entered in with his own blood. Without the shedding of blood, none of our sins would be remitted. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. Remember, the sanctuary not made with hands, the place where God is not made with hands. He said, the patterns of these things, that which God had shown us in the patterns, it stands to reason that the heavens weren't going to be purified with those earthly things, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. It took more than just the blood of those of those goats and calves. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, he didn't enter into the old tabernacle, the earthly tabernacle, which God had made, which are the figures of the true, which are the pictures of the true. That's the whole purpose While we've been looking at these weeks. What does it picture for us in the New Testament? But into heaven itself, praise God, now to appear in the presence of God for us. We've looked at this verse already. He's there now as our mediator, but he entered in, nor yet that should he offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. He only took the blood of something else, of somebody else, of that dead animal to go in, and he had to keep doing it over and over, but not so with Christ. <laughs> well, then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world, but now Once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Folks, we say, well, it's not the end of the world. That was 2,000 years ago. Well, let me tell you, it's the end of the world, and God is outside of time, and we're, we're just marking time. He's coming back in the end of the world. This is the last dispensation before he comes back to this earth and he sets up his own kingdom once in the end of time. Jesus Christ came. Not that he would have to to do it over and over like this, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And that is it appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Now to them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You see, there's much more in, in the book of Hebrews about this, but I want you to grasp that God himself is showing us here. He's showing us. But I want you to, to look back into, uh, into verse 5 of what we just read when he's talking about, and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. That mercy seat that we see that is right on the top of the ark was the place where the blood had to be placed, right there on the mercy seat. Now, I started to say earlier, but I stopped and wanted to read this passage first. There's great theological debates over whether the literal blood of Jesus Christ that was shed upon Calvary whether that literally was carried into heaven to a literal mercy seat there and placed upon that mercy seat so that our sins could be forgiven. Do you know what the answer to that question is? Well, I want to give you something that's more important. Sometimes sometimes men try to work all these. I want to give you something that's really at the crutch of everything that we see here. I want you to look at something. Turn back a few pages in the book of Hebrew. Now, we're talking about, notice that in the Old Testament, it was the high priest. He was the only one. All the other priests could be in the outer sanctuary, but the only one that could enter into the holy of the holies was the high priest. And he could not enter into the holy of holies without a blood sacrifice. He had to have the sacrifice, and only then there was a veil that separated. Only then... Could he pass through that veil? Now keep that picture in your mind and notice what the Word of God says, first of all, in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17. He says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful, what's the next two words in your Bible? High priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So in their debate, the first thing we know for absolute certain that the Bible says that that picture in the Old Testament of the one high priest entering in once every year, that Jesus Christ, he himself is our high priest. He's the only one, the only one They can carry that blood sacrifice and put it up on the mercy seat so that that meeting with God can take place for us. Now, turn over just a couple of pages to Hebrews chapter 7, and notice what it tells us here. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27 and 28, again, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, who needeth not daily as those high priests, this Jesus... He doesn't need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity under the law. It was men, human men, that were made the high priest and they were imperfect under the law. They had infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated for evermore. Now I want you to see something else here. The Bible says Jesus is the one that's the high priest, the only one that can go into that holy of holies. But Jesus Christ here is not just the high priest that can enter in. He's the sacrifice, praise God. He's the sacrifice. He's the high priest that carries it in, but he's also the sacrifice that he's carrying in there to place upon that mercy seat. Jesus is our high priest. Jesus, it was his blood. It was his sacrifice. He became the sacrifice and the high priest in this passage. So he's entering in, carrying himself as the sacrifice. And then notice what it says in chapter 9 and verse 3, speaking of this veil, and after the second veil, remember the first veil just let them into the outer tabernacle, the first the tabernacle, but it was the second veil that let them into the holy of holies. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, Now with that, if that's how that you got in there, look over into chapter 10 and notice what he says here in verse 20, by a new and living way. Let's go back and read verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. What was the veil? It was his flesh that was the veil. He was the high priest that took the sacrifice in. He was the sacrifice that had to be placed there. His own blood was placed upon it. He was the veil. He was the veil that literally, the Bible tells us, was rent in twain. If you look back into Matthew chapter 27, when Jesus died, on the, died upon the cross, and you can find it also recorded uh, in in the, in the other gospel, in the gospel of Mark and whatnot. But just let's just read it in the gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. Notice what it says that took place. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. This is Jesus dying on the cross for us, This was the moment that he yielded up the ghost, that he faced that death once and for all. Notice the next verse, and behold, The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurions and they which were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the Son of God saying, folks, Jesus was the high priest. <laughs> Jesus was the sacrifice that had to be presented there for our atonement. Jesus was the veil. And when he died, the last breath that he took, the Bible says the veil was rent in twain. And all of those Old Testament saints that had been putting their faith in this type, looking for that one ultimate sacrifice that would come. They couldn't leave. They couldn't leave what we know was the place called paradise. They couldn't leave there to enter into the tabernacle with God in heaven until that sacrifice had been made. Jesus Christ himself dying on the cross, making that sacrifice and that ripped down that, 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 that veil that was there to separate us from God forever. Now, if you look back, into Hebrews chapter 9, where we read there a minute ago. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5, and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now, the word that's translated mercy seat there, I like this because you know how much I like this word. (laughs) That word literally means that which makes the expiation, or if you would, propitiation. Propitiation is the same word that's translated here and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, shadowing the place of expiation, shadowing that propitiation that was being made in payment for our sins. If you look back into Romans chapter 3, you find in Romans chapter 3, notice what it says there picking up in verse verse 21. Romans chapter 3, and verse 21, Word of God says this, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which, notice, is by faith of Jesus Christ Unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, At this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus Christ. You see, he says that there on the mercy seat, that's where the propitiation would take place. That's where everything, every requirement for those sins, that's where it would take place only the blood of Jesus Christ could bring about that propitiation for our sins. And he's telling us here that we can have that the way that it's applied to us is through faith in his blood, faith that his sacrifice is sufficient. Not what we can do. We have to trust solely and completely that it was the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the blood that was put on the mercy seat for you and I. That's the blood that was put there once for all. The place of propitiation, the blood of Jesus Christ being the propitiator. He was the propitiator. His blood was the propitiation for our sin. And then, of course, those great verses that John tells us, not only is it by our faith in his blood that we can have that propitiation applied to us, but, folks, it continues to be there for us in 1 John chapter 2 Verses 1 and 2, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin must, sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, for he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In chapter 4 and verse 10, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying, we used to have a saying back where I come from, they can argue till the cows come home. You know? They can argue about trying to figure out a lot of the things. I'm saying this, what we know for an absolute fact, that everything that God gave us, in the Old Testament types, in that tabernacle and the holy of holies and the ark of, of the covenant, it was all picturing Jesus Christ. I'm saying that Jesus Christ is the only one that could enter in for us. He was the only sacrifice that was sufficient. He was the one that took that that veil was rent in twain when he died. When his flesh died, it was rent in twain once and for all that we could enter in boldly. The Bible says, "Into the holy of holies we can enter." into the presence of God only through Jesus. You see, we know, we know that the mercy seat here, we know that that was a real thing there in the Holy of Holies and that the only way that 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 high priest, that earthly high priest could enter in was with the blood of those sacrifices. I'm saying, you know, I don't really care if it's a literal mercy seat place in heaven. I know that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that entered into that sanctuary, and it was the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the only way that we have access to God, and everything that's being pictured is mute because it, when it comes down to it, it wasn't the mercy seat itself. The mercy seat was the place of propitiation. When Jesus died on the cross, that's when that propitiation was made for your sins. That's when it took place. That's when those Old Testament saints were set free. And that's when the sacrifice was made for you and for I once and for all. Jesus had to die. It was his blood. It was the only blood that could be the sacrifice that would make that communication, that, 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 that reformation back to God from our sinful, sinful separation with him. We can only be restored through the blood of Jesus Christ being a plague being placed in that place of propitiation. I believe with all my heart that literally the blood of Jesus Christ, wherever and whatever that that earthly mercy seat represented, I know that it was the blood of Jesus Christ that was applied to the mercy seat that mattered the most for you and I for all saints for all times that we could meet with God. Once and for all, it was Jesus. See, that's what it is. It's all Jesus Jesus is the high priest. Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus is the one that literally, with that veil that was rent and twain and ripped away, He's the only one to give us that, that access into God Himself. When we look at the Ark of the Covenant, please remember, please remember. It was a wonderful and a beautiful picture, and it was something that, that was, you know, if you've never pictured it and seen it, then it was, it was an awesome place that was there, but it was only just a a visual picture of what the reality was in the tabernacle not made with hands in heaven. That mercy seat, it was just a figure, a type of the mercy seat in heaven, which is where the blood of Jesus Christ was applied for you. He's the one that made the sacrifice. He's the one that carried it to the place where God met. He's the one that is still there today mediating on your behalf. So, I don't know a lot of the things that a lot of the theological giants might know, but I know this. It was only Jesus Christ, and it was only His sacrifice. He was the one that carried the sacrifice to God. He was the one that placed it on the mercy seat for me. He became my propitiation through faith in His blood. That propitiation was given to me for my sins, but not to us only, but to all those that will put their faith and trust in Him He's there still for us today, if we'll but go to Him. Father, we thank You, Lord, that as we look at the tabernacle and the ark of the covenant in the Old Testament, Lord, that they are pictures of the beauty of what You had in mind for us, that eternal tabernacle, that eternal place to meet with You, the once for all sacrifice that Jesus Christ would make when He would shed His own blood. And Lord, as soon as He died on that cross, we know that it was his death, the shedding of his sacrifice that suddenly allowed, Lord, all of those saints to be set free. We thank you, Lord, that we can know that that veil was rent in twain, that we can enter in boldly into the Holy of Holies because of him, because of him only, and it's in him that we can be there. So thank you this evening, and I pray that you would help us just to rejoice in the fact, in the end, Lord, the reality of the pictures that were given to us in the Old Testament, it's all Jesus. It's all Him. We can, only, we can only come to you through Him. He is our high priest. He is our sacrifice. He's the only one that can give us that eternal relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, just to take confidence and be able to enter into your presence boldly in Jesus Christ, our sacrifice, our sacrifice, our Savior, our Lord forever. It's in His name that we pray. Amen.